Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the first chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and starting in verse 26, we're going to read that, and then we will pray, and then we'll see where we go with this, Genesis 1 and 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, somebody say in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Somebody say, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for today. I believe that you planted this word inside of me. I believe that this is what you are saying to us as a church body in this season. I believe that you have been cultivating this and expounding on it. I believe that you have been drawing us to this, Father, and growing our understanding, revealing to us this which I'm getting ready to present more and more. I believe this is where you're taking us right now in this season. Help me. Help me to convey your heart. Help me to say that which you are saying. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1. Here we we go back to the very beginning. And... If you'll go back and read from Genesis 1-1 up until this point, you will see the record of creation. You will see the days in which God creates and what it is that he creates on each of those days. And this brings us up to day number six. So at this point, God has created existence. He's created the the universe, all the galaxies. He's created the earth. He has created uh, the very atmosphere itself. He's created the water. He's created the stars, the sources of light. Um, he has He's formed the earth. He's created the animals, the birds, and the fish, and the land animals. He's created all of this before he creates humanity. He creates everything that we could look around and name, he created before he created humanity, leading up to humanity. 
Humanity is the pinnacle. Humanity is the point. Everything else was created in preparation for what he wanted to create. And so we come to day six. You know, you, you'll, you'll hear people say, you'll hear preachers say, you've heard me say, six is the number of man. And the first reference, what we, when we say that, it was on day number six that God created humanity. And so when, when you hear somebody say six is the number of man, this is the first time that we, that we see that. And so it comes to this time. Dirt has been made, animals have been made, and trees have been made. But now, getting ready to make human beings, God says something different. He says, now hold up. We've got all of this. He said, let us make man in our image. Let's make man like us. Now, let's look at the Amplified real quick. I could tell you, but if we just read it in God's Word, I think it'll stick more. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image. Let Father, let us make man in the image of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's one God. There is only one true God. Many faiths of the world would tell you that there are a plethora of gods, all kinds of gods, and God's over this and that, and God's over water, and God's over, um, you know, the, the, the sun god, and on and on and on. But there's only one, one God, one true God, and he is eternally existent in three persons. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there is not one that is more God than another. The Holy Spirit is God. Somebody say amen. Jesus Christ, the Son, is God. Somebody say amen. God the Father is God. One God, you figure it out. One God eternally existing in three persons. God is God the Father, God the Son. Now, the, the, the three persons of the Godhead are distinct. They are distinct in personality. They are distinct in characteristic. They are distinct in function. But they are one, one God, one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Many of you know that one of my very, very greatest pet peeves within the church is when somebody says this, God and Jesus. You hear people say that, God and Jesus. What? There is no God and Jesus. Jesus is God. You could say the Father and the Son. You could say the Father and the Holy Spirit. You could say the Holy Spirit and the Son. 
You can say any of that. But you cannot say God and the Holy Spirit. You cannot say God and the Son. You're saying God and God and God and God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Three distinct personalities, characteristics, functions, one God. When we read this, let us make man in our image. Some people have stopped and pondered and said, our image? Is he talking to the angels? Is he talking about a whole, who, who, who's making man here and whose image? Well, when we, when we expound on the original Hebrew, we see it. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image. According to our likeness. Now, listen to what Kenneth Wiest would add. When you read an amplified Bible, you see parentheses. Parentheses expound on the original biblical text in the language it was in. But when you see brackets, that's not God's word, but it is good commentary to consider and to help us. Kenneth Wiest had the great, he was a great commentary, uh, commentator, theologian. He had the most to do with the commentary in the Amplified Bible. Upon his study, and I agree with him in this, you know, you don't have to agree with him because I do. That's up to you to decide. But I'm preaching today, and so I'll tell you. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and a moral likeness. He says, when God says that man will be made in God's image, it doesn't mean physically in God's image. It doesn't mean, let's make him in our image. I, you know, I have uh, blue eyes and this color hair, and you know, let's, like, let's make a man that looks like God looks. No, let's make man in our image in a spiritual personality sense, in a moral likeness sense. God says, the way I am, let's make this creature the way that I am, the way that I am. And let them have complete authority. And then on and on and on and on. So God created man in his own image, In the image and in the likeness of God, he created man, male and female. That word him, when it says in the likeness of God, he created him, that doesn't mean in the likeness of God, he created male. This is the word Adam. We say Adam. It's Adam. It means mankind. In the image and likeness of God, he created Adam, male and female. He created mankind, the male and the female, both the image of God. The male of the species is created in the image of God, the female of the species. Both equally, somebody say equally, both equally created in the image of God. The male is not more in the image of God than the female. As a matter of fact, we do not make up the whole image of God without the other. We make up components. Male and female together present 
the picture of God. And we don't have time today, but we could talk about how marriage is a picture of the relationship between God and man, but that's for another time. And God blessed them. He granted them certain authority, we says. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Subjugate it, putting it under your power. Rule over, dominate the fish, the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that moves upon the earth. So the whole heart of this passage is that humanity is created to be like God in personality, to be like God morally, and then he chases that with, repeat it, fill the earth, replenish, reproduce. So the whole basis is humanity looks like God. Adam, Eve, keep it going. Keep producing image bearers. Keep producing image bearers. That every child, that every human born after every human knows the point. Grandma and grandpa should have taught us what they learned. So we didn't have to learn it the hard way. We usually do. Grandma and grandpa should have told mom and dad, and mom and dad should have told us, and we should tell our sons and daughters the point. And the point is image bearers. Image bearers. From the beginning, from the very beginning, we are designed for this purpose. I almost called this message the meaning of life because we know the meaning of life. We are designed for this purpose, to bear the image of God. If you want to know your purpose, I don't know what I'm called to do. Pastor DJ is called to preach. I wish I knew what I was supposed to do. This person's supposed to do this. What am I supposed to do? I can tell you it's much simpler than you think. Your calling is the same as my calling. The whole purpose is this, to bear the image of God. If you will make your whole focus, your whole pursuit to rightly bear the image of God, you will not have to worry about figuring any of the rest out. You will find yourself being efficient in your giftings, and if God has called you a particular direction, you will find yourself in that direction. But you don't have to figure all of that out. You don't have to... Listen... You cannot force God to tell you what he's not telling you. Christians are racking their brains and destroying themselves trying to beat answers out of God. You don't have to beat answers out of God. You just have to walk with him. If you walk with him, he'll tell you when he wants you to know. And if he's not telling you, you can't know yet. So relax. So rest. 
So submit, because probably in your attempt to force him to tell you what he's not saying, you're missing what he is saying. What is your purpose? To bear the image of God. I want to ask you a question this morning, or rather I want us to ask ourselves the question. How well do you bear the image of God? How well are you representing God? God right now? How effective are you being? How good of a picture are you of God in your life? Do the people around you, right now, think about the people you encounter every day. Uh, The job you go to, maybe a particular place you stop for coffee, um, when you go to the post office, whoever you interact with. Think about the people, you know, who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Anybody know the rest? Meet each day. Yeah. All right. So think about the people in your neighborhood, okay? Do the people around you know what God is really like because they encountered you? If I go and ask the people in your neighborhood, what is God like? Well, they say, I know what God is like because I was around summer. God acts like this. Here's how God responds. I, I know how he smiles. I know how he replies to situations. I have learned what God is really like. Because I was around Justin. Because I've been hanging out with James. Yes, I know what he's like. I might not know exactly the color of him if he has one. But I know his heart. Do the people around you know what God is really like because they have observed you? Before we answer that question of whether or not we well bear God's image, first... We must be certain that our view of God is not one that we made up. Do you hear me? We must let our view of God be determined by God. Because he's real. Because there is no other God. Because he is who he is, and he is how he is, regardless of who and how we think he ought to be. Well, I just think that God ought to be... Well, guess what? He already exists. So it doesn't matter how you think God ought to be. People always try to deify humanity and humanize deity. They always try to bring humans up and bring God down. I'll never forget this kid in, uh, in high school in our weightlifting class. And, you know, that's a pretty loose situation, you know. And the coach doesn't have to do a whole lot in that time. And so he kind of in and out. And so the boys are talking about whatever, whatever boys will talk about lifting weights. And this one young man that I was in class with, he had a lot to, uh, 
always come in and brag about, about the girls. And he wanted to tell you who and where and how and on and on and on. He noticed that I didn't engage with his victory stories. Am I being plain enough? And he said something about it. And I wasn't mean to him, anything like that, you know. But I said, you can't do that. I said, you cannot live that way. I said, sex is created for marriage. I said, it's a good thing, but it's designed for marriage. I said, you can't do this. And I tried to explain to him as best as a 15-year-old could explain about soul ties and how God created that as a tool of unification and turning two people into one person and how you are connecting on levels that you cannot understand and the result of that and why that just doesn't work. And he tried to explain to me temptation and feelings and emotions and, like, how could he stand against it, which is logical. Come on. And he said this. He said, we have these feelings, we have these urges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He said, I just think God understands. I said, oh, he understands. I said, he understands quite well. And then I may or may not have said, and he understands that you're going to hell. <laughs> Come on, sir. I, I, I probably shouldn't have said that, okay? It's probably a different approach. I said, he does understand. I said, but what you don't understand is that he has provided a way. He has provided empowerment. He has provided forgiveness. He has provided redemption, and you don't have to live in that. So we could say, but what about my special situation? Yeah, I know. I know God's word says that. I know, you know, I know. But I've got a unique situation. Here's why it works for my situation. Here's why I can have sex outside of marriage. Here's why I can lie in this situation. You just don't understand the context. You just don't understand the framework. Here's why it's okay for me to steal a little bit. They're a big corporation. They've got more than they could, you know, it's not ever going to affect anybody. Here's why. Come on, somebody. We don't get to decide what God understands and why God's okay with my unique situation because God already decided how God is. And he's real, and he's not joking. 
there's no fear of God in our world. And sadly, there's not much fear of God in the church. Years ago, people did not understand, by and large, that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus. All, all religious contexts of Christianity were so formal and so rigid, and people did not read the Bible for themselves. And people didn't know you could have a personal relationship with God. Well, thank God for Billy Graham. Thank God for people that came along like this shouting, you can know Jesus. But now guess what's happened after 100 years of you can know Jesus personally and he's your buddy. Now we seem to know the opposite. Now Jesus is our buddy. But we don't need the church. And God understands We're pals. Yeah, times change. Times change, but God doesn't. I am God, I change not, he told Malachi. The writer of Hebrews said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you, the commandments are still true. The Bible is still relevant. God is still on the throne. Yes, he's your friend, but he is your God and your Lord, and he's not joking. He's serious. He's quite serious. So before we can answer the question, if we're doing a good job representing God, we better know what and who and how we're representing. We better know what it is we're representing and make sure that our idea, or we might, you know, there are a lot of people just everything's love, 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 love. Yeah, I'm representing God because love, love, love. I had somebody in my shop the other day, and they, t- they was telling me how they want to be like God. They said, because God doesn't judge. I said, Whoa. I said, he's the judge. Are you kidding me? I said, yes, he judges. He's the judge. The Bible said the judge of the earth will do right. He, is the, he said, oh, he said, I must not have read that part. I said, yeah, you must not. You must not. <laughs> it's funny when we decide how God should be. Outside of his word, that same guy, he was telling me that he, I was asking him if he went to church anywhere, and he, there was a church he was going to, but the pastor, for some reasons which I will not go into, would not marry him and his fiance, this guy and his fiance. He wouldn't do their wedding. I'll say that I was with the pastor on it, okay? I'll, I'll just say that much. And that guy said, uh, he said, so I quit going to the church. He said, I figured if he won't perform weddings, he said, why is he even a pastor? I said, oh, I don't know. Perhaps to spread the gospel and tell lost people they must have Jesus in order to go to heaven? I said, that might be one reason somebody would be a pastor. 
I said, as far as how he feels about marrying you, not marrying you, I said, I really can't comment on that. I said, because the Bible's got nothing to say about what you're talking about. I just don't understand. I just don't understand. We must let our view of God be determined by God. Our view of God must be established by what he is actually like, not what we want him to be like. Well, we got a few of you out here today. Hallelujah. Our world does not believe in a real God who is absolute. So they boast of a made-up God who is very fluid that we may interpret this God to be however we choose. However you see God, however is the most comfortable to you. Did you know that in recent polls of people who claim they claim that they believe the Bible, that there is one true God, that Jesus is his son, and that uh, salvation is through Jesus. Okay, That's the group that were asked the questions. A staggering number of that group, when asked, said that they believe that God is constantly, Jeremy, learning and adapting. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> Isn't it the most laughable thing in the whole world? They believe this. They believe that God learns and adapts. I cannot serve a God that's still learning. I'm still learning. So I need a God that already knows it all. I don't need a God that changes with the times. I need a God that changes me because times keep changing. God does not learn. He's omniscient. Omniscient. Omniscience. All-knowing, all-knowledge. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is all of these things through all space for all time, end without, uh, beginning without end, eternal. He is God. 
It's kind of what makes him God. Our world doesn't believe in a real God who's absolute, so they boast that he's fluid, that we may interpret God however we choose. But I am here to say that he is a real God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and we don't get to decide how God is supposed to be because the spot's already been filled by a God who simply is. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. Everything, everything that exists, exists from him and in him and held together by him. He is worthy of it all. For from him are all things. To him are all things. He deserves the glory. He is the great I am. John 1 and 1. And John 3 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W. That is Jesus Christ, God, the Son... That, that list that was asked those questions, when asked, they said that God created Jesus. Friends, Jesus was not created. He is God. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit are eternally existent. There is never a time when God was not. There won't be a time when God won't be. He is the eternity of eternities God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are God and were not created, and one of them did not make the other one. In the beginning was the Word, capital W. Y'all saw that this morning for me on the highway. Did you see me flash it out the window? I said, Word. And he, Heidi, I'm ashamed of you. You thought I was throwing up the west side. You should have known I was throwing up the word. In the beginning was the word. Be careful where you throw up the word. They might not understand. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made. Somebody say, all things. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. God is. 
Somebody say, God is. And it helps if you do this. Do it again. God is. You got it. Genesis says that God created man in his own image. Can I tell you that most people have created God in their own image? That's the world we're living in. When God, with his own finger, literally inscribed the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, the first, second, and third commandments are all three about idolatry. There's not just one commandment about idolatry. The first, second, and third commandments are all idolatry. Exodus 20. If, anybody, if anybody's ever been curious and you, you'd like to read the Ten Commandments in the Bible, they're in Exodus chapter 20. You can go there and read them. Exodus 23 through 5. Here are the first two commandments. Thou, here's the very first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nothing before him. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is under, in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself. Not simply that, you know, we have things in the image of things. Thou shalt not be made to bow down to it or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. For Oprah Winfrey, this line was the parting words for her between she and God. She was raised in a Baptist church. At some point, she heard this line, God is a jealous God. And she said, when I heard God is a jealous God, she said, I thought that's not the real one because God, jealousy is something we're not supposed to have. We're not supposed to be jealous. So if God is jealous, then that's not the real God. Now, it's far too late probably for me to help her now, you know, since I could call her up. I, sh I probably should. I'll do that tomorrow. But I wish that somebody could have told her then. I wish that somebody could have grabbed her by the face and looked at her and said, Oprah, he's not jealous of you. He's jealous for you. God's not jealous of stuff or that you might be a threat to him. Or that you've got something he wishes he had? No. He's jealous for his creation because he made you for a purpose. And when you give yourself to something else that will destroy you, he's jealous of you yourself to have you. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children into the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. When you reject God, your kids pay. And it's not like God saying, oh, they did that? I will punish their kids. You got to understand what the wrath of God is. The wrath of God is God handing you over to your desires. The wrath of God is God answering the prayer of your actions and choices. If you think you've never had a prayer answered, just reject God and defy Him, and you'll see that prayer answered all around you because God will allow you to grow what you want to plant. Third commandment. The first one, no gods before me. The second is don't create anything to worship. The third commandment, verse 7, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. You thought this meant saying, oh my God. Now, I'm not telling you to go around saying, I'm not telling you to use the name of Jesus as a curse word. I'm not telling you to do that. But I do have to tell you that when the Bible references taking the name of God in vain, it actually is not about that. Now, that could be one manifestation of what it's about, but that's not what it's about. To take God's name in vain means to misrepresent who he is. To put his name on stuff that's not him. To present God as something God is not. There are people that never say, Jesus Christ. There are people that never say that that are still taking his name in vain because they live a life that misrepresents the creator in in who we're supposed to bear his image. Can I tell you that idolatry is not the act of kneeling to a statue? Don't kneel to a statue. But that is one, people, they read it and they say, oh, don't kneel to statues. Kneeling to statues was one leaf on that whole tree. Idolatry is representing God in any other way than he actually is. Idolatry is creating a version of God that isn't God. Idolatry is using anything else as God that only God is supposed to be used for. Idolatry is when God's image bearers misrepresent God's image. Idolatry is to use anything for satisfaction and fulfillment in areas that only God is supposed to fulfill and satisfy. Do you hear me? And it is also the bending of the knee, or rather even the heart, to anything created rather than creator. Everything that I've just shared is the worship of other gods. Everything I've just shared is the worship of other gods. So we ask the question again. 
how, where, how well do we bear the image of God? Do the people around you know what God is really like because they have observed you? When the people look at your relationships, do they see God's intention in the way God designed it? When they see how you deal and interact, do they find out God's design? From the beginning, we are designed for this purpose, to bear the image of God, to well represent our creator. How? By being the same color as him, the same size, his preferred styles, by rooting for God's favorite baseball team, and eating God's favorite foods. How? It is to bear his image in attributes, in values, in sexuality, in finances, morals, nature, and in conformity to the way he has expressed himself in his word. Word. So what is God like? Well, let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. Here are the things that the Holy Spirit produces. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. The fruit of the Spirit is love. By the way, real love always tells the truth. Love never overlooks sin in an attempt to be nice. So love is not a feeling. Love is real compassion and kindness proclaiming what is true. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It is joy. Thank God it's joy and not happiness. Happiness is so surface and fleeting. Happiness is contingent on stuff happening. That's the word. Did you know that? The word happy means something is happening. I'm just not happy. You know why? Because your uh, emotional state you prefer is dependent on stuff having to happen, 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 happy. When you say, I just want to be happy. I can read that like a book and say, oh, they're a person that needs something to happen, 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 happen. And if it's not happening, they're not okay. You're a happy person. I'm not a happy person. I'm a joyful person. Nothing has to happen. I can be happy sitting at home with nothing happening because it's joy. Come on. Your roller coaster is because everything's about happy. You're up and you're down, and you're up and you're down. Something happened, something didn't happen. The right thing happened, the wrong thing happened. The check showed up, it didn't show up. They like me, they don't like me. Forget all that. Forget happy and find joy. Because joy doesn't change with the circumstance. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's a few things that God is like. And Jesus on the earth showed us what God is like. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. By him were all things created. Jesus created all things that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. By him things exist. That is, they went out from him. He made them into being. He spoke and by him, all things consist. That word con is the word with. So when you were the Mexican restaurant, you said, like, con queso. I want that with cheese. Well, consist. In th- from him, everything exists. And in him, everything consists. He made it, and he's holding it together. He put it out there, and he's keeping it in. Jesus showed us what God is like. When we spend time with Jesus by reading his life, don't tell me that you know Jesus, but that you don't read the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, you're lying, mostly to yourself. You can't possibly know him because you never talked to him. I can't claim that I know somebody that I never talked to. That would be a lie. I only know of them. I can even memorize facts about them without knowing them. So if you are not spending time sitting down and expressing your heart to Jesus and then opening the living word and hearing from him, you don't know him. And don't you dare claim that you love him because you cannot love what you do not know. You can only love what you know. Oh, I love Jesus. No, you love feelings. And your preferred idea of a good feeling is God and country. I fly my flag and I drink good beer and I love God. I know Jesus. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't know him if I'm not with him, and I don't love him if I don't know him. So quit lying to yourself. You are deceived and deceiving. You are tricked, and you're tricking others, and you're not bearing his image. And I'm scared for your soul if your life would be required today. Make sure you know him. Receive him by faith. Be born again. Accept what he did on the cross and then get to know him. When we spend time with him by reading his life, when we read the gospels, we begin to observe his interactions. We see how he dealt with people. We see how he dealt with the humble. And we see how he dealt with the proud. And in it, he begins to deal with us. 
We see how he interacted to those that were hurting. We see his compassion. We see his power. We find out who and how God is by watching Jesus. So who is God and how is God? God is holy. God's not tempted by the things we're tempted by. And really, the word holy doesn't even have anything to do with that. The word holy means uncommon. He's not like you, but we're trying to be like him. God is different than humanity. He's uncommon. It doesn't make sense for a being to be like him and to not give up on us, but he loves us. He created us to be like him. God is holy. He is clean. His mind and thoughts are clean. He's pure. He's righteous. God's not freaking out. He's at peace. God has joy. He's not depressed. He's not freaking out. God being God doesn't depend on you. If you don't choose him, he's still not a loser. Yeah, you are. Yeah. We have painted God as needing us awful bad. And boy, if we don't rally everybody, God lost. No, God didn't lose. God's only a winner, and he gave you a a choice. He gave you an option. God is God with or without you. He's complete with or without you. He is whole with or without you. He's not freaking out with or without you. He is at peace with or without you. He is God, and he's God alone, and he loves you and invites you to be one with him. It's amazing. So how are we to bear his image? We are image bearers of God's heart. We are to bear his image in holiness, cleanliness, purity, righteousness, peace, joy, love, the fruit of the Spirit, the way Jesus interacted, the way he lived, the way he carried himself, the way he responded What is the will of God for your life? I'm getting ready to give it to you. It's your fill in the blank. The will of God for your life is to be transformed into his image and conformed to his likeness. That's it. Go do whatever you're going to do, but do it like that. Do it like that. Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. He's talking to save folk. Which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable that you would follow his prescription for finances, for health, for fitness, for relationships, for sexuality, for on and on and on and on and on. It's your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't do it like the world does. 
The world says use whatever you want to distract yourself. The world says shack up. The world says go out here. The world says take a little bit. The world says, the, this says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're still doing stuff, we still got more to be transformed. Why? So you can prove the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So you can bear his image. That is God's will. That is his heart. That is his purpose. God's will is for mankind who is lost to be redeemed to himself, to live, uh, live according to the way he designed all of it to work in his love and wisdom. I said something last week preaching that has bothered me ever since. Did you ever say something that you don't even agree with? I do it all the time. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for grace. And unlike God, we're still learning and adapting. I said something during my sermon last week, and I didn't like it the moment I said it. I, to have stopped then, I felt like it would have distracted from the rest too much and, and kind of not been the point. But it's bothered me all week, what I said, or rather how I said it, rather how I said it. I said this line, God doesn't care about your dream. The only interest he has in your dream is you trading it out for his purpose. That really bothered me after I said it. I wish I had said this. So may I? <laughs> may I, may I uh, trade it? This is what I wish I'd said. God doesn't sit around trying to figure out how to make everyone's dreams come true. What he is interested in is you laying all of it at his feet to be used for his purpose. That is better, isn't it? That is better. I felt like I misrepresented God. I felt like that did not bear his image well. Now, some people have cheapened this whole church thing down to, we come and get God on our side so he can make our dreams come true. What I was trying to say last week is, no. However, I believe that that line could be taken out of context and come to mean something very different than what I intended or rather what I feel like the heart of God was saying. I don't want to misrepresent God and make it look like he is just trying to take away things we enjoy for the sake of taking away things because you need to sacrifice something and instead do something miserably that you hate because he picked out something else. No, I've got something. You have this dream, but I've got something else. So you give up your thing. You do this instead. That doesn't really represent the heart of God. Now, certainly, there might be things in our life that don't line up. We might be pursuing things or going after things that don't line up with God's character that we do need to give up or change. 
But that phrase that I said to me didn't communicate what the Lord is saying to us. Today's message is in response to that line. The issue with God and his will and his heart and his purpose is this, that no matter what we do, where we live, where we work, if you love the mountains and it's your only passion, move. Go there. Well, I don't know if it'd be God's will. God's will is that you bear his image. Go bear his image in the mountains. I just want to be somewhere tropical. It's all I think about. It's all I ever wanted. Go move to the beach and bear God's image there. You say, man, I got this thing inside of me. I've always had this thing that I wanted to do such and such business. It's been a passion my whole life, and I'm good at it, and I've got that in there. It's, It's kind of a dream of mine. Wonderful. Lay that dream at the foot of the cross and seek God's wisdom in how to go about it godly, and go do your thing and bear his image doing it. Represent. Somebody say represent. We are supposed to represent him. You know, that's a, that's a combination word. That's a conjunction. Dare I sing it? Conjunction, junction. <laughs> Represent. Re dash present. Present again. Represent. To present again. God presented himself. Showed us who he is and how he is. It is the charge of humanity to present him again and again and again. We are supposed to represent him. You are God's representative, his ambassadors in the earth. While we're running around saying, what's God's will for my life? Are you accomplishing his will for your life? Because we already know what that is. It is that you bear the image of Christ right now. Quit worrying about it. Build a relationship with Jesus through his written word, through prayer, through public worship, through godly time with godly friends. Just live. Forget about it. Forget about figuring it out and just live with him, representing him, and I promise you, you will not be able to help but find yourself at the right place at the right time doing the right thing, which is your heart. Now, humanity without God cannot bear God's image. And contrary to popular belief, we are not all God's children. We are all God's creation. But being his child is a choice that's left up to us that God gave us. He made us, but he doesn't force us to be part of the family. He said he gave us the power to become sons and daughters. We must be born into his family. This is why Jesus says we don't even see God's kingdom unless we are born into it. 
born again. When did you get born? Singers, musicians, come. When did you get born into the family of God? It happened in a moment. It was an event. It was an it was some, It was a specific time. When did you get born from above? Jesus called it being born from above. He called it being born of the Spirit. When did that happen to you? It didn't happen by attending church. It didn't happen by giving. It didn't happen by anything you've done. Being born again happens at a moment. When the Spirit moves on your heart and conscience, and you say, my God, I'm a sinner, and I need the forgiveness Jesus paid for on the cross. Jesus, yes. Boom. Born again. When you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he died for your sin, that is when old things are passed away and behold, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's when you become crucified with Christ, but yet you live and the life that you now live is not your own, but you live it by the faith of the Son of God. It's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. That is when, Titus 3 and 5, the Holy Spirit brings the washing and the regeneration of your spirit. That is when you are saved from the wrath to come. That is when you are born into the family of God, and now you're a child of God. That's when it happens. When did that happen for you, to you? When did you cooperate with your faith and place it in the finished work of Christ on the cross? If you have not done that, you are not on your way to eternal life. You are on your way to eternal death, and you've already started. You're already dead, and when, you, when your body quits moving and the breath leaves you will be in eternal death. But if you choose Jesus, he breathes and you are brought to life with an incorruptible seed. Those that are dead are going to stay dead forever. They're dead already and they're going to enter eternal death. Those that are alive in Christ will live forever. You see, eternal life or eternal death don't start when you leave your body. Eternal life for me started when I was six. And when I shed off my body, I will still exist in that eternal life that I received on my bedroom floor when I was six those that are dead right now. You see what I'm saying? De living and dead is not what we think it is. It's not a moment that happens at about 90 years old when your pulse stops. Death and life are now, and they're eternal. You are in one or you are in the other, and you will continue in the one you're in. If you are still dead, Get born again. 
come to life. It's not free, but it's already been paid for. It's very expensive, but it was paid in full. You don't have enough to pay for it, but Jesus did have enough to pay for it. He was and is enough to pay for it. He came and he did that, and then he offers it to you, paid in full. And all you have to do is, from your faith, trust in him, say yes to him, and he will breathe, and you will be alive forever. Forever. I'm not just going to live forever when I die. I'm alive forever right now presently. And because of that, I can bear the image of God. And I'm trying to do a better and a better and a better job at that. Quietly, would you stand with me? I guess i got to be standing too for it to be with me, huh? Hallelujah. Yesterday I turned 42, but if you want to know how old I am, I'm eternity old. Let me let me just drop a little something on you here. Before you come to Christ. Some of you like this sort of thing I'm getting ready to say. Some of you will go, well, before you come to Christ, you have always been dead, and you will always be dead eternally. Once you come to Christ, you have never been dead and will never be dead. Before you come to Christ, you were always dead, and you will never be alive. When you get in Christ, you have always been alive and will always be alive. God only sees two people, the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam sin, and by one man, Adam, sin came on all. But the last Adam, Jesus Christ, by one man's sacrifice, righteousness was made available to all. God only sees two people, the first Adam and the last Adam, and you're in one of them. You are either in death or you are in life. How could it be that you are always dead, will always be dead, and then you are always alive, will always be alive? Because you're now in a different person. The person you're in now has still always been dead and will always be dead. But now you are one with Christ eternally. The moment you got saved... You were in him when he opened blind Bartimaeus' eyes. The, when I got saved in 1987, I was in Jesus when he was walking on water coming to the disciples in the boat. I'll just leave that with you. And I'll be in him forever.
if you have never been born again, if you have never received the forgiveness that Jesus paid for on the cross, come right now. Step out from where you are and come and join me. If the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart for this, you say, how do I know? You want it. Nobody pursues God without God pursuing them. If it is in you that I'm a sinner, I need this, I want this, that's the Holy Spirit. You can only get saved when he's doing that. If that lifts off of you, you cannot get saved. You cannot be born again when you choose. And that's scary. You can only be born again when the Holy Spirit is drawing you. If that lifts and then something happens and you leave this life, if the Holy Spirit moves on your heart to receive Jesus, grab hold and come to Jesus right then. Because the Holy Spirit does things on his time for his reason. you've never received Jesus and you want to come now and I will lead you in a prayer as you from your heart receive him by faith anyone if you're watching at home you don't have to be in this building if your heart is being pulled right now to receive Jesus as Lord right there where you are call out to him you can use any words you want, but you probably want to pray something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. I know you love me. I know that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, I know that you are God. I know, Jesus, that you died on the cross in human form to pay for my sin. And I know you got up again. I know you're alive. I say yes to you. I turn from the old life. I turn to you. Fill me and live through me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I feel this. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.